My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. Today's sermon is going to focus on the importance of humility in the life of the believer, and I pray it'll be a blessing to you. If you'll open your Bibles this morning, please, to the book of Proverbs, chapter number six, I want to show you seven sins that God absolutely hates. This is an interesting passage of Scripture. And this will not be the primary uh, part of the sermon this morning, but I want us to begin here. Proverbs chapter number 6, look beginning in verse number 16. The Bible says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. And look at the very first thing on this list of sins that God hates. A proud look, that is pride. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. And so seven sins are given to us there that God hates. He detests these things. And at the top of that list is the sin of pride. You know, pride is a terrible thing. Someone has said that pride is the only disease known unto man that makes everybody sick except the person who has it. The person who's proud probably doesn't even know that he's proud, but everybody else knows it when he's in their presence. I heard about a lady who was struggling with pride, or at least she thought she was, and so she made an appointment to see her pastor. She said, Pastor, I've got this sin in my life that I need to deal with. I need to confess it and get it right. He said, well, what is the sin? And she said, it's the sin of pride. He said, well, tell me about it. And she said, well, pastor, every Sunday when I come to church and look around at all the other ladies in the church, I say to myself, beyond the shadow of any doubt, I'm the most beautiful lady in all this church. I look at these other women, how they're dressed, how they do their hair, and I say, they can't hold a candle to me. I'm prettier than all these ladies. And that pastor said to the lady, he said, ma'am, that's not a sin. She said, it's not a sin? What is it? He said, that's just a mistake. (laughs) He was saying, I look at the same group of people too. Uh, You know, and it reminds me, none of us are as pretty as we think we are. We're not as smart as we think we are. We're not as important as we think we are. Anytime we exalt ourselves, try to be almighty and important, God has a way of humbling us. And so it says in the scripture, in fact, Jesus said, he who exalts himself will be humbled But he who humbles himself will be exalted. Pride is one of the sins that God hates. Now, having said that, turn to the New Testament to John chapter number 3. I want to show you a beautiful example, not of pride now, but of humility and of somebody who resisted the temptation to be proud and and instead lived his life with humility. And this, of course, is John the Baptist. Now, a little background about John the Baptist. We know that he was the cousin of Jesus. He was born just a few months before Jesus was born. And his sole purpose in life was to prepare people for the coming of Jesus Christ. He was the one preaching out there in the deserts, and he was the one saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I am, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to loosen. This is John the Baptist. He prepare the way of the Lord. That was his message. 
when Jesus began his public ministry, you know the story how Jesus came to where John was, and Jesus said to John, John, I want you to baptize me. And John the Baptist, in such humility, said, I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me. And Jesus said, no, I want you to baptize me because I want to be an example to all the people that they should all be baptized. They should all follow me in, uh, in baptism. And so he said, John, I want you to baptize me. And so John baptized Jesus. And when Jesus was coming out of that Jordan River water, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove landed on Jesus' shoulder. And God the Father spoke from heaven and God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so from this moment on, it was clear that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the son of God. And as a result of that, many people who had been following John, John had his disciples just like Jesus had his disciples. And a lot of John's disciples shifted over and started following Jesus. Well, one day, John's, John's disciples, who were still with John the Baptist, noticed that Jesus' following was getting bigger and bigger, and John's following was getting smaller and smaller, and so they came to John the Baptist, and they said, John, this is not good. If, if it keeps happening like this, you're not going to have any followers left. Everybody is going after Jesus. Now, it would have been easy for John the Baptist to have become jealous of his cousin. It would have been easy for him to say, man, before Jesus came along, everybody was following me, and now everybody's following him. That's what a proud person would have done. But in John chapter 3, in verse number 30, these are seven of the most interesting words in all the Bible, and it gives us a glimpse of John the Baptist's humility. Notice what he said, John chapter 3, and in verse number 30, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Say that with me. He must increase, but I must decrease. In other words, he was saying, it's okay that everybody's going after Jesus. That's how it's supposed to be. I never was the main event. I was the opening act. My job was to point people to Jesus. And what is happening is exactly what is supposed to be happening. Jesus should be becoming more and more, and I should be becoming less and less. It's a beautiful example of humility and this is the humility that God wants us to have. It's interesting in John chapter 3, there are three great must, M-U-S-T, in John chapter 3. First of all, there's the great must for the sinner, for the person who's never been saved. Look in verse 7, where Jesus said, you must be born again. And so for those of us, or well, all of us need to be saved if you never have been saved. You must be born again. You need to receive Christ as your Savior. And then there's the great must for the Savior, for Jesus himself. Look in verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And then there's the great must for the servant of Christ, for those who want to devote their lives to God's work. And that's again in verse number 30, where John said, He must increase, but I must decrease. When I was studying for this sermon on Friday, I came across a quote by a man named William McDonald. And he said something very interesting about pride and humility and serving the Lord with the right attitude. And it really gripped me and convicted me when I read it. Here's what he said. For a servant of Christ to seek to attract attention to himself is actually a form of disloyalty. For a servant of Christ, for any of us who call ourselves servants of Christ, for us to try to make it about us, for us to try to attract attention to ourselves, for us to try to put the spotlight on us, 
this man said is actually a form of disloyalty because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And so in our preaching, in our living, in our conversations, in everything about our lives, we have to keep the focus off of us and put the focus on Jesus Christ. If you come today to church and you hear good music and you hear sermons, there's a good sermon, and you leave here and that's all you've got out of it, you, you, you leave saying, we had good music and we had a pretty good sermon. But if you can come to church today, if I can come to church today, if we can come to church today and say, you know what, yes, we had good music. Yes, the Word of God was taught. But the, impo- the most important thing that happened today was we were able to see Jesus. Not with our physical eyes, but with our eyes of faith. We could see Him high and lifted up. We could see Him as able to save us from our sins. We could see Him as the one who could see us through this difficult time we're going through. We could see Jesus and all of His holiness and His power and His might. If today we could see Jesus, it would make church Altogether, a different experience. And so, it has to be about Jesus. These seven words that John the Baptist said, He must increase, but I must decrease. That would be a good motto for all of our lives. Why? Because these words remind us that our lives are not all about us. Now, why is it so important for Jesus to increase and for us to decrease? Why should there be more of Jesus and less of John? Why should there be more of Jesus and less of you? Well, the short answer to that question is because Jesus is superior to us. Jesus is greater than us. I can remember years ago, we were at the old location, and I was a student minister at the time, and I had invited a guy named Wayne Kerr to lead the students in worship that night. He was a talented, gifted musician, loved God with all of his heart, and he and I were talking before the service. And uh, he said to me something I never have forgotten. He said, you know, John, and he did his foot like this. He said, in life, there's a line. Just like that, like he was drawing a line in the sand. He said, in life, there's a line. He said, on one side of that line is Jesus. And on the other side of that line is all the rest of us. Jesus is superior to us. Jesus is different than us. Jesus is greater than us. And that's the reason why he must increase and we must decrease, simply because he's greater than we are. He's more important than we are. Let me give you three ways that Jesus is superior to us. You might want to jot these down. I'm not going to spend much time on these, but I just want to mention them to you. First of all, Jesus is superior to us because of who he is. Go back a page or two to John chapter number 1. When we started our study in the Gospel of John, this was our first sermon, John chapter 1, verse 1, where John the Apostle, as he's writing this, says, in the beginning was the Word, talking about Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You say, how do you know that that word, Word, is a reference to Jesus? We'll look down to verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The first reason that Jesus is superior to us is because of who He is. Jesus is God. In fact, if you read on in chapter 1 and the next couple of verses there, in verse 3, it says, All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Jesus, the Scripture teaches, Jesus created the world. The first verse in the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It could just as easily read, in the beginning, Jesus created the heavens and the earth. We talk about Jesus being born at Bethlehem, and he was, but that was not his beginning. 
Jesus has no beginning. He's the everlasting Father, Isaiah tells us. He's the Ancient of Days. He has always been. Paul makes it clear in Colossians that Jesus Christ is the one who created the whole world. Jesus is God. So you can call Jesus Jesus. You can call Jesus God. It's God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's God. He's the creator. He is the creator. He's the savior. What I'm saying to you is the reason he must increase and we must decrease is because of who he is. And then because of where he's from. Jesus is from somewhere different from where any of us are from. Back in John chapter 3, look in verse 31. After John the Baptist had said in verse 30, he must increase but I must decrease. Look at 31. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard and he testifies and no one, can, no one receives his testimony. But John was saying, Jesus, the reason he must increase is not only because of who he is. He's God. He's the creator of the world. He's the savior. He's perfect. But also because of where he's from. Jesus is from heaven before he came to earth in Bethlehem. He had lived forever in eternity past in heaven. And so Jesus is from heaven. Think about this. When, when Jesus, who came from heaven, started telling people how to go to heaven, he spoke with authority. He knew how to get there because he was from there and he was about to return there. That's why when Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, hey, I hope everybody goes to heaven. Everybody is invited to heaven. Anybody can go to heaven. But you have to come through me. Why? Because he's God. Because he's the creator. Because he's the savior of the world who died on the cross. And he is from heaven. And so when he tells us how to go to heaven, he speaks with authority. We're not from heaven. Those of us who are saved, we're headed to heaven, but we've not been there yet. And so he is superior to us. And then he's superior because of how life ends. Let me give you a scripture to write down. In Revelation chapter 11, very last book in the Bible. Let me just read it to you. And in verse number 15, it says, uh, and it's talking about at the end of time, this is a future event. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Think about what that says. The kingdoms of this world. What kingdoms? All kingdoms. The United States, Great Britain, Canada, Mexico, all the great countries and kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. In other words, the scripture is saying there's coming a day. When all the nations, all the people will bow down to Jesus Christ. Sometime in the day in which we live, things are happening so bad. School shootings and all the horrible things happening out there. And somebody, somebody, you hear somebody say, what in the world is this world coming to? Well, I'll tell you what this world's coming to. It's coming to Jesus. And one day, every person from every nation will bow before him and acknowledge that he is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And so Jesus is superior to us in all those ways. And that's why he must increase and we must decrease. Now, you still listen and say amen. Here's the question. 
On a practical level, in our lives, how can Jesus increase and how can we decrease? How can our lives be filled with humility and free of pride? Because God hates pride. God detests pride. The pride person, prideful person is coming down. Proverbs says pride comes before a fall. And so we don't want to fall. We don't want to be brought down. We want to be uh, just the opposite to happen. So we have to have humility in our life. How can we be more humble? Let me give you three practical ways that we can increase in humility and that we can become less proud. It all begins, first of all, in our thinking, in our minds. Now, when we talk about humbling ourselves in our own minds, that doesn't mean that we think less of ourselves. It doesn't mean that we put ourselves down. It just means that we think of ourselves less, that we don't spend so much time thinking about me and mine and my money and my house and my car and my investment and my future and my vacation and my hobbies and things I enjoy to do. No, the, pr- the proud person is always thinking about himself or herself, but the humble person has figured out, wait a second, this life down here on earth, for however long we get, whether it's long or not so long, this, our lives are all about God. He must increase and I must decrease. And so we just say, you know what? It's not about what I would want to do. It's about what the Lord would want me to do. It's about how God would have me to live my life. So we, first of all, we just think less of ourselves. And then as we do think about ourselves, we think about ourselves from a realistic perspective. And instead of thinking that we're better than somebody else, that I think I'm better than you or you're better than me or you're better than the person sitting next to you, we don't compare ourselves to each other. If you compare yourselves to other people, you'll always find somebody that you're better than. But when we compare ourselves to Jesus, we get a proper view of our own sinfulness, of our own fallen humanity of our own weakness and so we look at him and we say you know what compared to Jesus what that man told John is right there's a line out there and on one side of that line is a perfect holy Jesus and on the other side of that line is us and so we think you know God I'm saved I'm so grateful to be saved but even though I'm saved I'm still still sometimes I sin I'm still not perfect. I still haven't arrived. And so we see ourselves as compared to Jesus, and it just causes us to be more humble. So in our thinking, we have to see ourselves as God sees us. What did Paul say in 1 Timothy chapter 1? He said, Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. The most effective Christian who ever lived was the Apostle Paul. And when he thought about his own life, He called himself the chief sinner because he knew compared to Jesus that his sins were, even though they were forgiven, they were great. And many times, sometimes he still sins. So in our thinking, we have to humble ourselves and not be so high and mighty. And then with our words, we can humble ourselves. In our conversations, we can humble ourselves. We live in a day where people want to be noticed. And it's, it's almost like everybody's running around with their hand up in the air saying, look at me, look at me. Somebody notice me, notice me. Well, John the Baptist wasn't that way. He wasn't running down there in the southern part of Israel saying, look at me, look at me. No, he was saying, look to Jesus, look to him. And so with our words, you know, when, when you're having a conversation with somebody, you have an opportunity for Jesus to increase 
and for you to decrease. So many times when we're talking to other people about, about anything, if we're not careful, we can talk so much about ourselves and our accomplishments and our achievements and where we've been and experiences we've had. And what we're really doing is that we're making ourselves look bigger and bigger and bigger, and it becomes all about us. But in our conversations, we have an opportunity to decrease so that Jesus can increase. You know one thing I've learned? When we're talking to other people, if all we do is talk about our strengths and the great experiences we've had, more than likely when we do that, we're trying to impress other people. But if we, if we only talk about our, you know, our strengths, really we can intimidate other people and make people feel like you know, they're, not, they're not as far along as we are. But I've noticed this. When we talk to other people, if we talk about our weaknesses, if we talk about our struggles we talk about our sins, if we, think, if we talk about things in our lives that are not as together and not as perfect as we wish they would be, somehow that helps us to connect with people and with our words. We have, a, we have an opportunity to say, you know what, he must increase, I must decrease. More about Jesus, less about me. He's perfect. He's on this side of that line. We're still over here on the human line. We're not from heaven. We're going to heaven. But sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we sin. Sometimes we fail. We're works in progress. And when we, share, when we talk to people like that, it just pulls down the barriers and it helps them in their own lives as well. And then I think, as we think about how can we humble ourselves, it's not only in our thinking, it's not only in our conversations, but it's also by the way we live our lives. Just by the way we live our lives, we have an opportunity to humble ourselves. I think about people in my own life. So many of them are pastors and preachers, since that's what I do, that I look up to as my role models who have humbled themselves. I think about a man named Adrian Rogers, who went to heaven in 2005. I would say five weeks before he died, I flew to Naples, Florida, and I went to a one-day preaching conference where Adrian Rogers did a whole, I mean, a whole day about how to get up a sermon, how to preach, how to communicate. It's one of the best things I've ever been to. And I think it was on that occasion, but it may have been I heard him share this somewhere else. He was talking about how when he was a young man going into the ministry, and God had spoken to his heart about, you know, we shouldn't be proud, we have to be humble. Compared to God, we're nothing anyway. And so he just became convicted that he wanted to humble himself before the Lord. And so one day he went out into the, I guess maybe a field back by where he was living at that time. And he started praying. And, and as he was praying, he just, he just had this feeling, you're not low enough yet. So he got down on his knees and he prayed and he said, God, he was on his knees. He said, God, I just want to humble myself before you. And he heard that same voice, you're not low enough yet. So he laid out on his face on the ground. And he said, God, I, I just, he just prostrated himself and said, God, I just want to humble myself before you. You're God and I'm not. You're perfect and I'm imperfect. You're pure, I'm sinful. And God, I want to humble myself before you. And he said, you heard that voice again saying, that's not low enough yet. And he thought, well, I can't get any lower. I'm, I'm laying on the ground. He looked at that dirt he was laying in and he had this thought run through his mind. He, he took his index finger and kind of measured out where his nose would be and he, he dug out a hole in that dirt that his nose could fit in. He laid down and he put his nose in the dirt. He was breathing dirt. 
And he said, God, I can't get any lower than this. It's the lowest I can get and still be alive. But I humble myself before you. And there's a man who did that 30, 40, 50 years ago. And as you look at how God used him, and he's been in heaven for 12 years now, and he still preaches on the radio. He's like Abel. Though he's dead, he still speaks every day. He humbled himself. And what did God do? God exalted him, and God lifted him up. That story that Adrian Rogers told made an incredible impact on my life about the importance of humbling ourselves before God. Let me ask you today, have you ever humbled yourself before God and asked Him to forgive you of your sins? Have you ever invited Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior? If not, today would be a wonderful day to do that, to humble yourself before the Lord and to be saved. Just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I could never be good enough to make it to heaven by myself. I'm asking you to come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Lord. Thank you that you'll never leave me. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, God has heard it. He has answered it. Today, you've just been saved. I want to congratulate you. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you'll be with us next time.